No. Hello, Nick fans. Welcome to another episode of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. And guys, for the first time in our two years of podcasting this, we are talking about playoff basketball for the New York Knicks. Just let that sink in. Just let it absorb you, you know, and make you feel wonderful. So Alex and Rafa, full crew in tonight, along with along with me, Omar. So guys, how we how we feeling right now? I'm good, thanks, Omar. Yeah, finally got there over the line. So, um, as much as it was a, it's a near certainty the last uh, week or so, mm-hmm. you just uh, again, so as we always say, that next PTSD just, you know, until it's definite, it's not, it's not done. So, yeah, yeah <laughs> so, so true. But yeah, good to have a Rafa back as well. Good to be back finally. It's been two weeks. Uh been a hectic two weeks here, uh around here. So yeah, it felt good to have a, a break. I barely caught Nick's games even. Um didn't see the, the Randall injury nothing. I was just falling asleep. So um I'm back, ready for the playoffs, full full force. So Rafa so, got low managed. He's uh you know, he, he had you know uh Podcast maintenance, you know, just similar to Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson's right hand maintenance, and you know he's back ready to go. Uh, me and Alex, you know, we yeah. we pulled Isaiah Hartenstein, you know, we we we, we trucked through it, you know, we're we're good to go. But um, I guess the, it's the, not the, the Mikael Bridges. Did you see that today? Oh, Eighty three games, uh, right? Eighty three games. Yeah, yeah, good for him, man. It's a nice player. Uh, he's really. He, he, I think he, there could be some fun moments for him in in this playoff series against Philly. Uh, that I don't think they're going to win the series by any means. Philly's very strong, but uh, I think he 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 might be due for like a, a couple really good games. Uh, plus, he has experience with Phoenix, so he's been there before, it's, kind of thing. It's funny that we have a Nets Sixers um, matchup, yep. and James Harden is the only one playing in that series for the Sixers. Like they were all in the nets with Kyrie. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. all gone, funny. all gone. I mean, amazing. That is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so, not much to recap in terms of games last week. Um, you know, it was kind of just a get to the finish line type of situation. So the team went two and two, all mostly meaningless. Uh, after the win in Washington, they uh, the fifth seed was locked up, and uh, even before that game was over. Uh, the Nets had lost to the Cavs. So, you know, that uh, sealed the fate for both Cleveland and the Knicks for that 4-5 matchup. Um, so, yeah, 2-2. Two two, so we saw a lot of uh, a lot of Emmanuel quickly, a lot of Obi Toppin uh, in just kind of, you know, tune-up games. A uh, couple good games by Mitchell Robinson as well. But 2-2 two and two with wins against the Wizards in Indiana and then a loss against New Orleans and uh, Indiana earlier this afternoon. So, um so that's that's that. So now we are shifting focus into the playoffs. So uh, another first round four or five matchup. This time we're the five seed instead of the four seed, like we were a couple years ago, and we get to play against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are of course led by Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, uh, amongst other good players that they have. So I, think I guess heard that start... name before, Donovan Mitchell. I know. I, I feel like we might have might have said something about him. Um, but so I guess first off, just starting off, guys, uh, what's the key for a Knicks victory in this series? Um, good health. Uh, 
um, getting mm. Randall back as yeah. soon as possible. I think you know. Um, I was really glad to see Obi playing well last uh, last week, but you know, he's Randall's still probably our second best player. You know, he's key to to getting this uh, getting into these playoffs. So, um, some of the nonsense I've seen just about you know. Well, this is what this is what life could be like without Randall sort of thing. We don't need him and all this good stuff. So, yeah, getting Randall back is going to be key, um, I think. And uh, um, you know, I've I've absolutely loved what I've seen in the last week or so from Grimes. Do you know, I think Grimes could be like a, a kind of secret weapon in this series. That you know, a lot of the focus is going to be on um, Brunson and uh, Randall. He's back. Um, and I think Grimes just with his quick shooting, you know, and his his defense, you know, he's he's had great success over Mitchell in the past. Um, can't really stop Mitchell, but he's slowed him down so much um, as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he's, he, he with the form he's in, he's going to be absolutely key. Uh, I think to this series. So um, looking forward to seeing him. Um, hopefully, no no uh, playoff jitters or anything like that you know he just comes out because he's usually just got that real kind of bubbly kind of confidence and I just hope he keeps that going into the playoffs and there's no real sign of nerves coming there I mean Randall is key to see how he re- he comes back uh, it was good seeing him on the floor uh, not on the floor but uh, on the bench at the bench tonight uh, for, the, for the game so yeah, and the walking might be a little he yeah, he's. I mean, there's no. I mean, there was no reason for neither him uh, or Brunson to play, especially these third, obviously. But especially Brunson, the games were were done. It's the, we're the fifth seed. There's no way to go. So, um, yeah, getting Brunson ready with no injuries at all. Uh, it was, it was going to be key, and and Randall as well. I mean, Randall Brunson, we know he's ready. He will be ready to go. And even if he's in pain, he will play. You, we've we've learned about uh, that about Jalen Brunson. But Julius Randle is is a concern. He is he is a guy who never gets injured, and it's like it's the feels like a very next thing to have the guy that never gets injured get injured right before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, but yeah, I think it's it's just uh, uh, it's just a precaution. He was there. He was. He didn't seem worried at all. So. I think he'll be ready to go um, game one. Even if he's not 100%, he's like, he's like 90% ready to go. I think he will be in that game one. Um, well, throwing punches <laughs> at other team players. Hopefully, right? <laughs> but no technical <laughs> fouls, please. Um, oh, no, no, no. I, just a joke, just a joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the way I'm looking at it. That yeah, there you go. Yeah, you get Josh Hart to pick up the technicals now. You're good to go. Um, for me, there's it's two What's things. Going on, that, yeah, right. There's two things that really stick out to me uh, for this series. One is uh, three-point shooting, of course. You know, that's going to, I think, make or break the Knicks. And um, Alex, excuse me, you mentioned Grimes. He is a big part of that. You know, being able to hit those kind of catch-and-shoot threes is going to be Pivotal because, you know, we know that Cleveland can score with Mitchell and Garland and Mobley. Uh, even uh, Okoro has kind of come on as a, a little bit of a shooting threat uh, in the later parts of this year. Uh, I think that's the one thing. The second big thing is bench play. I, I think that's a real advantage for the Knicks, you know, with Quickly and Toppin and Hartenstein. 
uh, you've got a bunch of guys who can score and can lead units. And you look at the Cavs bench, it's a little thinner. You know, you got guys like Dean Wade. Obviously, they still have Karis LeVert, I think, coming off the bench now that Okoro has been uh, slotted into the starting lineup. You know, and you have Lamar Stevens. Like, these are okay players. But I think you you need to take advantage in that second quarter when uh, the bench units are, are in there. And to me, that's the key for the Knicks. If if they have good bench play and they can hit down some, some timely threes, because we, we've talked about a million times about this team is not a very good three-point shooting team, you know, and, you know, Brunson has been incredible, especially above the break this year. Um, RJ's been hit and miss. Randall's kind of, you know, he's kind of improved from the year before, but not quite uh, of 2021 form, right, in terms of the percentage. Grimes has come on lately. Quickly's up and down. Toppin's up and down with a three. And, you know, never mind relying on a three-point shot from any of our centers. So... Uh, so I think that's that's really the the important thing. Um, I, obviously, we all mentioned Randall, uh, but I guess I'm curious for your guys' take on which other player besides the health of Julius Randall do you think is important is going to be most important for us in this series? Well, I think uh, the obvious one's uh, Brunson because I mean he's coming off last season, obviously with the experience with the Mavs getting to the. Um, uh, the conference finals that um, you know he's got that amazing experience and he ha- he had the, a lot of experience without uh, Luca as well. We had to take the team on his back, um, which is exactly the position he's in just now. Um, you know he's got an, he's got an argument for most improved player this year, just with the the, um, the three point shot has improved massively, and that's I think probably the main reason why his his points per game has been bumped up so much, but. All season, I've just been so impressed with his calmness under pressure and, you know, his leadership, which are two things that are just absolutely vital in a playoff setting uh, with the team. So um, it's something that we've maybe, you know, fallen down two years ago, uh, just lacking that extra uh, threat um, on top of Randall. Um, I think, uh, you know, the Hawks defence could could quite easily game plan. Yeah, you know, you just stop Randall, you stop the Knicks. So... And I think just having that, you know, second elite threat is going to be massive, I think, for the playoffs. And and uh, I don't think, you know, Brunson's going to go in with any kind of nerves or any kind of, um, you know, second thoughts. You know, he's just he's just got that amazing attitude that, you know, he's going to go in and, and he's going to be come in from a leadership role as well with his experience. So I think he's, he's just going to be a massive uh, part of this playoffs run, hopefully so. I mean, it's the playoffs, so there has to be obviously a collective. Every every guy needs to be doing their job one hundred percent on it. They need they need to be. Mitch has to be good on defense, not getting into foul trouble and anything else. Hartenstein has to continue that trend. So we need to play like a well oiled machine because as something taught us about these four games again, the four games we played this year against the Cavs, they'll be wars out there it's there the teams are really thinking they're really well matched could be a very very intriguing season um uh, uh series um uh, game seven potential for for sure and it's but it's it's obviously the stars randall and brunson need to to be okay with it and but it's you mentioned two guys that were up and down on on three, on three point shooting but well 
in games as well with your RJ and quickly. Mm-hmm. They've been so up and down, um, offensively more RJ than quickly. But okay, the uh, RJ's shot has been three point shot has been terrible. Uh, we all know that it's but if he continues it, at least he continues this trend of being able to penetrate effectively and kick out and get the space around him. Even with the first unit, since we're we're seeing where there's a possibility where Randall is not a hundred percent yet, and Brunson might still be feeling his uh, his his hand as well, it might be huge as well with quickly having good offensive games, not those offensive games where quickly is what are you doing, like. The young players growing pain, so yeah. But it's, I think those two are the most important that we need to be. They, they need to be uh, effective in this series. Obviously, uh, Mitch as well as as I mentioned, not getting to fall trouble is massive because it, it will be a war. Uh, I don't know what what's the situation on Jared Allen. Is he he's going he's going to play? He, he played tonight. Yeah, he played twelve minutes tonight. So uh, those two have had a couple of you know some great battles in the past. So. Yeah, I agree that that's going to be a big one. I mean, yeah, Jared Allen being on in their pain is kind of concerning for our penetration ability, but we need to work around it. And and if the three point shooting is falling, better yet. So 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 yeah, man, it's uh, it will be a tough season, a tough uh, series. It's uh, definitely will be. They're a pair of three point shooting team as well, I think, aren't they? The classic so, East Eastern Conference matchup, man. Yeah, or a couple yeah. teams that can't fucking shoot. Great. <laughs> uh, everyone can shoot against the Knicks. I mean, that guy you mentioned, D Wade, he always kills the Knicks from three point from three point. I mean, bootleg D Wade, like what? I mean, please, why? It, I yeah. a thing I can. Uh, uh, it's not a, a shot, Alex. Wade, not a shot. If uh, Tibbs will be able to to um, mix and match, not even on lineups but the defensive schemes, if something isn't working, it's this is a bit different piece. He has playoff experience, obviously, but if he can do things differently, he has been. In, in, we we've been seeing it, that uh, guys finishing the games have been changing. Um, RJ Grimes quickly. Uh, even Obi wasn't finishing games. Hart was finishing over him as uh, uh, one of those these games. Randall was out, so there was a lot of mix and match. I like that. But if we can change the, the even the, the defensive style of play to adjust to if we're getting uh, outdone by the the Cavs. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a really good point. Uh, the Knicks' defensive style has been to give up, uh, you know, those those swing threes to lesser threats like a Dean Wade. You know, to your point, Rafa, and uh, you know, it's it's at times been okay and at times hurt them in the regular season. But if it's killing them in the playoffs, you know, you have to adjust. And I think them closing out on those shooters is going to be super super important. Um, but for me, guys, it's RJ without a question uh, is the most important pivotal like X factor, if you will, in this series, because you know that, you know, Brunson and Mitchell are going to be going at it. You hope that Randall is healthy and he's going to get his and Garland's going to get his, you know, and on the cap side, I think it's Mobley. Who's the really interesting one. How many shots does he get? How efficient is he? But RJ, like the th- he's got to hit some threes, you know, and that's, there's no way around it. He's got to on those catch and shoot threes and, 
you know, I, I, I get and I understand that his role has changed a little bit this year. You know, he, he went from the second option to the third option. You know, that's that's a, a big adjustment to make. But, you know, like the other night, obviously, yeah, it was against, you know, the New Orleans, uh, the New Orleans team and, you know, without Zion or whatever. And, you know, he went over nine from three. And these are a lot of nights where the just the three point shot isn't there. But the inside game has gotten better. So we need that. But we need a couple of threes from him. And uh, he's probably going to be, you know, as Grimes, typically you're imagining he's going to be the primary defender on Mitchell. But RJ is going to have to be assisting in in the perimeter defense as well. So I think he's so important in this series. And as as much as the focus is going to be on Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson, uh, because those two, I think, for a while are going to be inextricably linked just because of the trade stuff, which we'll you know get to in a second here. Uh, but yeah, to me, it, it's RJ. Uh, you need a monster series from him. Uh, and if you do have, get a monster series from him, I think the Knicks advance in this series. Uh, if you get a real bad version of RJ, I don't I don't think they can beat Cleveland. And uh, it's, you know, this is kind of, I think a lot of this year, this fan base's faith in RJ has been tested a lot, you know, where, and there's kind of starting to be a growing number of, of fans that are kind of saying, hmm, maybe we should have kind of, been more thinking about getting rid of him right and and while i don't think any of us are there yet if you have another if you have a bad series that's going to be real tough to swallow i'm not sure like how you guys feel about that but i think the series is incredibly important for rj um uh and on a bigger scale than just losing or winning a series yeah and in the front office of obviously not shown absolute faith in, in rj you know um you know, the rumours have been there for a long time now about, you know, potentially trading him. So mm-hmm. um, I think you're right. I think, you know, he has a bad series, then doesn't look good um, for his long-term future, the Knicks. Um, so as much as I don't want it to happen, I think, you know, he's he's going to be just, he's going to be one of those players that's just going to be a bit of a slow burner. I mean, we even, you know, a couple of years ago, we were talking about, you know, When's the next, you know, RJ, you know, leap, you know, you know, in, in form, you know, when's it going to happen? And two two years ago, I think, you know, his three point percentage jumped up to something like forty percent, and and you were just like, oh, here it comes, you know, it's coming, but it just it it just kind of yeah, he, he either just seems to be kind of um, you're stagnating a little bit, or or even taking a step backwards with his three point shot, so. Um, he's maybe just one of those players that's never going to take a big leap. I think he's always going to be trying to improve little bits of his game. He's just got that. Got and that he has, got that. for the record, yeah. this year. Yeah. Like His yeah. finishing has gotten a lot better. His passing has improved a bit, uh, especially when he's in the lane. And you know that that's market improvement. But like you yeah. kind of weigh the, the shot more, I think, than some of mm-hmm. like the other stuff. So yeah, I, I just think, don't I think, think he's big... ever going to be that guy that's going to take right. that next, you know, huge step, you know, to be the next level sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just going to make incremental improvements as year on year. To your uh, point about him having a bad series or a great series or whatever, what is to to you guys? A great RJ series. What do we want from him in this series? It's like if he hits shots and doesn't turn over the two ball, to threes, two to three threes per game. That that defines a good series for me. Two to three made per game. 
Okay, like you have to be a threat. You can't go one for nine or one for eight or whatever the case may be. You got to be able to be a threat on the catch and shoot. And same thing goes for Grimes, you know, in that aspect. And then you're hoping to get between 16 to 20 points from him a night. I don't think that's unreasonable. And you're hoping to that he plays good defense on Garland and Mitchell when they're switched up. I, I, to me, that's a good RJ series. I don't know if you feel the same way, Alex. I mean, if if he's if he's missing every shot like he was the other night, then I don't want him shooting nine threes at all. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't want I don't want him kind of trying to force shot with RJ. I, I find sometimes when he's when he's struggling, he tries to force too much. Like when he when he's when he's doing his you know his driving to the basket has obviously improved a lot, but sometimes he misses those like easy layups. And then you'll see him the next player. So he's trying to correct it by just barreling towards the basket with no thought to if somebody's open or something like that. He's he's almost like frustrated at himself and he's trying to prove to everybody that he can do it. And you're just like, he needs to get to that stage where he can take a step back and think, what's the best move here for the team? You know, I think sometimes he gets in his own head a little bit. And also, um, guys. I really do not want to discount the fact the Cavs are a really good defensive team. They're like yeah. the best defense. They, in the are, best they, are. they are a very good yeah. interior defensive team. So that poses problems for us, you know, because we have three guys who want to get inside. You know, yeah. So it's not going to be an easy offensive series. Let's just be honest. That's why I say if he hits a couple of threes, that's, that's what you want because those points are not going to be easy to come by in a long series with Cleveland. And yeah, and they'll know that point. as well. They, they'll let us shoot, you know, and I think um, part of their defence will be just, you know, packing the paint and, the and paint, just yeah. make, knowing how bad a three-point shooting team we are. And, and you know, if the, if the threes start falling, then maybe they'll have to adjust the game plan. But I think that will be so, the primary uh, game plan for us. So what you, guys, what you guys are saying is that these series will be building new houses in New York and in Cleveland with all the bricks being shot from one side <laughs> to the other. Right? Pretty much, is that yeah. what you guys are saying? Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. But, yeah. So, but to the, the, the RJ point, I feel like he has improved a lot in that regard of uh, being frustrated and not helpful to the, the offense because everybody's talking about the 0-9 game from three. Awful display of shooting. He finished with 28-7-6. and six without hitting a three to save his life. 28.7 rebounds and six assists. So so many, the ball didn't in, so he didn't get the assist plays. So if he's able to do that, be that initiator, we've been talking, obviously the three-point shooter, he needs to be a threat. That was a moment this game, um, I think it was the first three he hit, like the guy guarding him sagged off. Like, you know, you're not hitting shots, sagged off, and he hit the shot. That's a big shot for – even if you you missed the first two or three, the, the moment they sag off and you hit that shot, okay, now he has a shot, so I need to guard him. So he needs to be guardable from three. He doesn't need to be Alfred Payton from three <laughs> or Mitch or whatever. No, yeah, yeah. it's getting – it's obviously it's the, the thing about – and the three-point shoot, three-point shot we've been seeing, and uh, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Breen and Clyde were talking about it in the uh, um, the broadcast. Like RJ have been struggling from three, but it's been a threat all season. Like Deuce McBride was 
I called him many times a black hole in offense because he couldn't do anything. Now he's hitting shots. Uh, we we joked so much about how how Obi was our best three point shooter. Mm-hmm. He's hitting shots again. Yeah, and uh, Grimes' shot is is coming back. So th- shooting the three is streaky. Obviously, RJ hasn't never had the greatest numbers. I agree, he needs to be a threat. But if is not even if he's shooting is not amazing. He hits a couple, one or two. It's great. But if he's able to initiate an offense and kick it out without forcing it, which I feel he's being much better at it last couple of games, that will immediately help us uh, be a better team. And, and again, Rafa, it's like he has to, like you you just said it. He has to be a threat from there because yeah, he absolutely. can't have. Okoro hitting him with the Ben Simmons defense, you know? So we, that's like, you don't want that, right? You want to have that proper spacing. You're also going to pack the paint even more against, uh, against the Knicks. If, if you have somebody like RJ who they, they don't respect his shot at all, but you, like you said, he makes one early, you know, they have to respect it. And then they're going to, you know, the, the gravity is going to be a little bit more towards him. In addition, of course, to, to playmaking, and to giving the right reads. I mean, that goes without saying, but I really think the make or break for the Knicks is both really three guys shooting, you know, obviously you want Brunson and Randall to hit shots are your two best players. We know that that goes without saying, but quickly Grimes, RJ, the guy hit the shots, you know, that's just, just that's what it is. Yeah. Just a point on RJ. I think it's you, he entered this league and he seemed like okay. I'm ready to be in a be the guy. Yeah. And so you see him work on all of the stuff, like work on defense, look on penetration, look on passing, work on shooting. So he doesn't focus his full attention on one thing. Mm-hmm. You see. So, like you said, Omar, was like, like uh, you guys uh, when you, you were you started talking it was the first thing you said. It was he's improving every year, like small steps. Yep. Because he's working on every little thing. Think for, okay, he can, uh, penetration is working, his finishing is improving. Okay, continue with that throughout the season. Take a year and work solely on shooting. Like, solely on shooting. Because he seems like he's working on everything at the same time. He wants to improve at every stat. And that might slow you down a bit. Like, get a stat, get it. Oh, this said I'm elite. I'm elite let at me, this. So I can let me interject real quick, Rafa. I think yeah. we can all say we would be very happy if RJ just turned into elite defender and oh, above yeah, average three point shooter. If that's all it was, then we'd be okay with that, you know. Well, and honestly. obviously, the the playmaking is a bonus. You know, it's just it's it's tough because his. I don't want to spend too much time on uh, just kind of dissecting RJ throughout nah, the yeah, year, yeah. but but it's just like you. It's hard to to acclimate to the role because Randall and Brunson take up so much of the usage, you know, and you kind of would like the ideal situation. I mean, remember when RJ came out, people were comparing him to James Harden, you know, so whether you think that comp is accurate or not, you know, you want a guy like that to have the ball in his hands, you know, and and so and he is shifted to a role where it's not in his hands and. And you're just hoping that that isn't the folly for this team in the playoffs is that he isn't able to hit, make shots or again, quickly or Grimes or Toppin are not able to hit big shots because that's what you're going to need. But I want to yeah. move on real quick from that. Um, 
you mentioned it earlier, Rafa. Uh, like, oh yeah, we've we've heard that name Donovan Mitchell before. Uh, so of course, you know the Knicks were in heavy trade talks with the, the Jazz in the offseason, trying to acquire Mitchell. Didn't work. Uh, also, like the rumored trade uh, in hindsight, it's kind of like a thank God we didn't do it uh, thing, where it's like six picks quickly, Grimes, McBride. You know, it's just like RJ thrown in there uh, for good measure. You know, and uh, so you know, Nick fans, why I feel good about not making the trade now. But um, do you guys think that if this team were to lose, if the Knicks lose to the Cavs, uh, is the whole talk about oh, you should have traded for Donovan Mitchell in the offseason, is that going to kind of overshadow all the good and overachieving that this team did this year? I mean, those those people are always going to be out there. Um, right. You know, they're almost probably wanting the Knicks to lose just so that they can, again, as we've talked many times, just prove themselves right. See, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know who they are, and uh, <laughs> they'll they'll just be sitting ready there to say, uh, yeah, we should have just uh, given up everything for him. You know that. You know, uh, I remember when the first the first chat about the trade happened. You know, uh, you guys were pretty against it, but I was saying, you know, you you do need to find out the price. You know, you do need to you know pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. These trades, you always need to, you know, at least uh, see what's out there. You know, you could catch a team that's desperate. You know, and you can you can make a move that that works for you. But. Um, yeah, I mean, now that we know what the trade really was, yeah, it's it, it was a it would have been crazy trade, and it would, you know, we wouldn't have been in the same position. Obviously, it would have set us right back, um, and you know, I think we'd be struggling to even make the play in uh, with that. And it's it it's reset the franchise probably a couple of years at least to kind of um, build back up again, um, and with next to no picks to do it, so. Um, yeah, it's 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 it it's a it's a nonsense discussion in in a way that you know that you know look what we could have had you know but they as we said at the time the cab the Cavs were in the perfect position to do it they gave up they gave up a lot but they gave up they didn't give up the top three four players to do it you know we would have had to give up you know you know, serious assets. The, to Cavs, hour, so. the Cavs showed you that they had a war chest because mm-hmm. they were able to shed guys like Markinen and Sexton and, yep. you know, the draft capital as well. And, you know, it not matter because they retained their best players. So for, for us, if we're yeah. going to make that trade, we want to be able to get rid of players and retain our best players. And mm-hmm. at that point, we didn't know what quickly was going to be. We didn't know, uh, the evolution of Grimes and things of that nature in hindsight, that would have been real bad, you know? So, you know, you kind of have to, you kind of dodge the bullet in that aspect. And the fact is under that trade mechanism, uh, Donovan Mitchell would have been coming into a situation that was not ideal. Whereas in Cleveland, he walked into a situation that was very ideal with, with really good players already in place. But also, I mean, people, people mock the, the you know, the difference between, what the what the jazz gave and and um what the Knicks uh, offer was and yep. and the, sorry the Cavs and, and you're like um well I mean in hindsight if we're talking hindsight then you look what Markinen became Markinen's been the perfect fit for the Jazz you know yeah. and you maybe know, too too perfect of a fit now their lottery odds are messed up <laughs> well no but exactly but you know 
when we're talking about oh, you know the offer overall you know yeah. like they've got you know effectively an, an all-star player you know now in, in their team so um uh, it, it the, the deal doesn't look quite as bad as it once was don't forget that we also we didn't know what quickly was going to be or the development of Grimes and everyone else mm-hmm. but again we didn't know what Julius Randall we would have. Yeah, very true. That's a thing. If Julius Randall was now a three-time All-Star or uh, in uh, hovering over All-NBA again like he is, like three years in a row, this could be a different tale. Like, oh, let's go all in and we don't know what type of Randall we have. We believe in him, but only he can show us. And so that's the conversation to add the conversation as well. At least I think so. That's a thing. And if we lose to the Cavs, I don't think it's a fail of a season. Because first of all, nobody expected the season to be this good. So like we retain the talent. We are, if you look at it, we may be a step behind the Cavs because we can, okay, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are the stars of the team. We still we still have all of the young players that the Cavs had to add another star to the team, another trade to the, to, the, to this uh, another guy. Is it Ob? Quickly, Grimes, Arjun, whatever. It, we can tr- use those assets to trade to even improve further. So we are the fifth seed, right behind the fourth seed after they make the big trade. I think we, we discussed this. Was it, I think it was in our group chat, like. We didn't make the great, the big move everybody wanted to uh, wanted us to make, like the Cavs or the Timberwolves or the Mavs. We'll get to that. Um, we didn't. Although we made the moves, we improved. I think we we are at the same level as them without making that big. So to me, it's not like oh, it's done. We should have traded for Donovan Mitchell. Yes, second round, it's done. Yeah. It's such I mean, a good point, Rafa, because. One thing, it's almost like we acquired somebody and you just take the evolution of quickly. You know, that's like an upgrade at that position just because of the way he's gotten so much better this year, right? You know, we're about to talk about him as, you know, probably likely sixth man of the year. And he's been a real spark plug and a great fill-in when Brunson couldn't go. And, you know, so it, the, it's a big point that, you know, the the Cavs went all in and they could they, they got the four seed and they're a few games better than us. And we didn't do anything really, right? So I don't think you could look at this as a a failure because, you know, I I hate the fact that it's even going to happen because, you know, I was actually secretly hoping, I was like, oh man, maybe maybe being six seed wouldn't be so bad. You know, you get to play Philly, so you don't got to deal with the the stupid, you know, conversation about, oh, you should have got Donovan Mitchell, which is like the most annoying conversation to have. But then again, do you really want to go against the likely MVP of the league in Joel Embiid? So, you know, you can't really, um, you can't really you know, make that decision, but yeah, I think this season is a resounding success. You know, we're, we're talking about an organization that has not tasted winning on a big consistent level in 20 years. Okay. And, and this is now two playoff appearances in three years. You know, that's, that's, that's encouraging. This is we all kind of thought that they'd be fighting for a playing spot. We thought they would be where the Hawks are today, right? And in reality, they showed that they're much better than that. And you know, you gotta you gotta say that that's a the only way this is disappointing, I think, is if we get swept. 
you know and i i think that's really the only way we're kind of like like if we get one of those detroit piston sweeps you know where remember a few years back when they played uh the bucks in the first round and they lost every game by oh, 20 yeah. yeah so if it's like if we are just so outclassed by the Cavs, then i, I think you kind of gotta look yourself in the mirror but i don't think that's gonna happen i think it's gonna be a very competitive series like you guys mentioned um, on paper, you know, the teams match up really well. And and, and it, you know, it's probably going to be, pro- I would say, the most interesting series in the East in the first round, uh, you mm-hmm. know, depending on how the play-in shakes out. Yeah. But, uh, but plus, yeah, plus, so... Sorry, Omar, yeah. Plus, how many, how many games this season have we been outclassed and, and, and blown out? You could probably count them on Only against time. Milwaukee, man, honestly. Like, yeah. only against the Bucks. I, I feel like. Yeah. And the yeah. Dallas game. Yeah, that one Dallas game. Right, right, right. That was right before a big win against the Cavs. There was a Nets game as well, wasn't there? In Christmas time, where we got pretty. No, that's um, not. That's not. not about. It doesn't count anymore, uh, Alex, because it's not the same Nets <laughs> yeah, team. So they don't. They don't exist in history books. So, <laughs> yeah, out, out of eighty-two games, uh, if we're struggling to think of more than three, then you know, yeah, they were doing pretty good. Success. It was success. So. <laughs> Yeah. The magic question now, guys, is how do you guys think the series is going to go? What's your prediction? I agree. I, Rafa said at the beginning, I, I agree. I think this has got a kind of a seven seven game series written all over it. To be honest, I think it could just be a you know you know punching back and forward. Um, uh, it could possibly just go go with the go with the 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 the, the home team. Uh, just back and forward like that, but um, it's good to see that the um, after a lot of the season where we really struggled at MSG, MSG form has picked up a lot. So um, and uh, yeah, so we we're, we're clearly capable on the road if we need to, and, and capable of MSG now. So um, from that side of things, I can I can only really see seven tight games. I, I don't know if there's going to be a blowout in any of them. I could just see it being a really, really competitive season series. So, so you got Knicks or Cavs in seven? Oh right, yeah. I thought I'd go away with that there. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll put my positive hat on and say Knicks then. I'll Knicks say still game seven on the road. Okay, Rafa. There is no way. Let me start with saying this. There is no way that in the playoffs, I'm a bet against the Knicks. It's a long shot with us, uh, us winning the title, but we're here. We have a chance. We don't pay to dream, so just I'm never going to bet against the Knicks. Um, so I think the Knicks are taking the series. Preferably, we would do 4-2. That game seven, it has, I don't know, I mean, heartbreak it's all wacky over. Wacky things happen in um, game seven. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm... Uh, it's going to be a tight series, like I mentioned. This is going to be a, a war. Uh, I'm not going to get fooled about us beating them three times in the, the regular season. Because one of those losses, we were up seven like in the fourth quarter and ended up getting blown out, which was good. Um, so, very important first two games uh, in, in Cleveland, obviously. We need to take one of those. If we could take the, the first game, Massive, massive. It's it's a massive game because to me it's like you're going to the to play the two games away from home. If we take if you take the first one, the second one 
they will they will come back out swinging again because it's second game and you okay we've done our job we've taken the fir- this first game so this second game we can relax a bit and save it for for New York so just get it get out there win the first game battle it out triple overtime I don't I don't care just take the win and take the two games in New York and just finish it if that game five game game six do whatever you can to that third game at home um well to, to, to get there obviously but that third game at home to be the last game of the series it's to me it's what we need to do to to be able to, to avoid that game seven Cleveland it's uh it's uh, it's not a good uh, game seven will be complete mental breakdown for me uh, I can sense it so we won, uh, we won one more road game than than uh, MSG. I just checked the stats. I checked them the other fifth, day. Uh, I think it's the fifth most road wins that the Knicks have had in the history of the franchise um, mm-hmm. this year in terms of road wins. So, yeah. you know, we've got that going for us, which is nice. Um, I think it's a seven-game series. Yes, uh, just like Alex said and like Rafa mentioned earlier in the episode. Uh, the, the Julius Randle question is a big one for me. Um, if Not just if he's going to play the rust factor. Is he going to force his shot? How is he going to be defensively? What's the lateral movement going to be like? Is he trust the ankle only a couple weeks after being injured? For that reason, I think the Cavs might take this in seven. Um, because as much as people want to say, OB this, OB that, build around OB, whatever, playoffs are a different animal, man. Like... I just I just don't know what Julius is going to be. And then maybe I got Hawks PTSD from a couple years ago, you know, where we came in confidence saying Nixon six. And, uh, you know, we ended up uh, going home in five. Um, yeah, so the Julius injury really, I think if Julius was just fully healthy going into this series, I think I'd be more leaning towards Nixon seven. But uh, I think it's going seven either way. Uh, and that injury makes me question if uh, if we have enough, you know, to to be able to do it because the Cavs are a really good team, really good defense. And again, because of their interior defense, it's going to be hard to score on them with the way we like to score. Um, but, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. You know, <laughs> obviously we're, we're, I'm rooting, hopefully. we're all rooting for, we want the Knicks to sweep the Cavs, of course. You know, we want the Knicks to win every game. But we'll see how it shakes out. All right. So that's, uh, Preview of the of the playoffs. I don't, to, I don't just yeah. I don't know how to maintain myself. It's playoff basketball with the Knicks. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act. We don't, know, to, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're just kind of. I, I, uh, I yes. keep forgetting about. I keep forgetting about the play-in as well. I keep thinking the playoffs are about to start. And then no, lucky that, for us, right? That there's a yeah. play-in gives again yeah, gives another basically another week for for Julius to heal up even more, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. even better for us, you know, uh, circumstantially. Uh, let's let's pivot, guys. Let's talk a little bit about Emmanuel quickly. Uh, so I mentioned earlier he's in the running for Sixth Man of the Year. Over the last month or two, he's really catapulted and become the favorite uh, with a lot of sports books uh, putting him as the odds-on favorite to win Sixth Man of the Year. Uh, the other candidates, Bobby Portis from Milwaukee, and more notably Malcolm Brogdon from Boston. Uh, Boston fans have kind of uh, drummed up this thing where they are saying that Brogdon should win because he came off the bench every single game that he appeared. 
where as quickly has started 20 games due to absences by Jalen Brunson and, and RJ Barrett. Um, and of course, quickly had great games when he started. And that's kind of their argument that his numbers only look good because of the games that he started. So when you look at it, there have been player, multiple players who have won the award having started more games than quickly has. Like I think Lamar Odom started 30 some odd games mm-hmm. uh, one year when he won with the Lakers. So do you guys think that the the how many games you start as long as it, if you start any games, uh, should that matter when it comes to six man of the year? No, absolutely not. And, and um, I forget who it was that said, you know, that, um, you know, part of being a sick man should be that you step up when necessary, you know, and and that's, you know, that should, that should be part of your role. It's not just like who's the best bench player in the league, you know, that's not, that's not what the award's about. And the whole thing about starting games as well, I think the, the general rule is you have to, you have to uh, start, you know, uh, less games than you than your yeah. bench. You come off the bench, so you know the whole start in every game things a nonsense anyway. And uh, to be perfectly honest, any time you can see that you know Celtics fan or Boston fans in general just suffering and, and crying and things, it's, it's it's something to be celebrated in its own. So uh, <laughs> I've been quite en- quite enjoying some of their comments. You can see how they are about it. Um, for, for why I don't know, uh, <laughs> you know they've they've obviously got a pretty good team to get behind it anyway, so I don't know why they're getting getting so upset about it. But um, yeah, if you're comparing the two players, just Brogdon and quickly, I would I would certainly say quickly as a sixth man role is you know you know the clear leader uh, for me for that award, and that's not just me being a homer. I think I would say the same if it was the other way around. You know, I think you know quickly brings so much more to the table. So. Okay, so first of all, we start by saying, "Fuck Boston." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's, uh, it's general consensus here. There, there, there's so, your title for the episode, uh, Omar. Yeah, there you go. Can frame it. Um, <laughs> did it quickly was quickly ever seen as a starter, or was or did he only start games because of injuries? Yeah, yeah. he started games because of injuries. So that means he is the first guy off the bench. He's at that sixth, the sixth man, uh, obviously guard wise and wing uh, wing gut wise to come off the bench and play. So he played most of his games from the uh, come, came off the bench. He stepped up when he needed to to help the team as the first guy off the bench as the sixth man. So that conversation from Celtics fans is just stupid. I mean, you're a sixth guy because you're the first one out there to help out. And he was, quickly was that the entire season. Even when he started out a little bit shaky, he did. And he just improved a lot. He he has a a tremendous uh, evolution. Um, I would like to see him uh, as well with some votes for the most improved player. He won't, won't get it, but... He is the type of guy I would like to see that. Got to be, got to be Shay for that award, right? Yeah, I would imagine. Shay, yeah, I mean, he's taking the leap Fine. into superstar this year. I mean, yeah, he's a top. Brunson would probably get yeah. get votes for that award, so there, there might be some cannibalization there between uh, quickly and Brunson. I would imagine. Well, they're saying they're saying Shay's going to possibly get into the first team All NBA as well. 
like he is like elevated into a top 10 player in this league if not top five you know he's he's very good um when it comes to this boston thing real quick there's only one name to discredit this whole argument it's Derek white because whenever anybody went down for boston and like i said no none of their guys have played none of their core guys have played more than 74 games tatum has played 74 and who do they when smart misses games when tatum or brown misses games who are they bringing in they're bringing in Derek white they're not bringing in malcolm brogdon to start those games so your team is either really worried that you're going to hurt yourself again in Brogdon or they just like what Derek White offers more. So your own team is choosing another guy over you, right? But Counter, Im- immediate counterpoint to that. And not this is not me signing with Boston. God forbid. Derek Rose won sixth man of the year and he wasn't the first one coming off the bench. When someone went down, Quickly started before him. Rose always came off the bench when he was the sixth man of the year. Because he run that yeah, second unit well. You, it doesn't so matter. Quick. You know? So, like, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just it it doesn't... Well, first of all, for like, they don't trust you to start. They like Derek White more. Okay, so maybe you're, like, just the bench guy. That's fine. That At the end of the day, like, quickly impacted winning. Quickly has been impactful off oh, the bench. Absolutely. absolutely. He, he's just like... I guess, of course, we're going to sound biased because we want our guy to win the award. But it's just like, I just feel like holding a spot start against somebody is just, like you said, Alex, just a dumb idea. You know, like, just you're just going to be all riled up just because this guy, you know, is going to lose this award. When in reality, you know, you're going to find the fact that quickly has been more impactful to winning for the Knicks and Brockton has been impactful to winning for the Celtics. And, you know, it's easy to draw an excuse and say, Oh, well, you know, it's because he started those 20 games. And when he started those, like you look at this, like advanced stats during those, uh, his bench games only, you know? And I feel like only now was this ever an argument. I, I don't remember this being an argument when Jamal Crawford was winning sixth man of the year and had to come in every now and then for the Clippers. Like, it's no one really cares until it became a Knicks player that might win the award. You know, like, it's just, and I hate to kind of go along that line of thinking, but, you know, people are always like, oh, well, you know, New York Knicks bias, you know, once the Knicks have a halfway decent player, they're going to get all the awards. And I'm just like, okay, guys, so like, you're just discounting quickly and you cl- clearly don't watch him play to see how impactful he is. You know, uh, there have been multiple times this year where, Julius didn't have it. Brunson didn't have it. RJ didn't have it. Whatever. He comes in and he makes things happen, you know, and you they're just kind of telling on themselves by showing that they haven't really watched him. And I've watched some Celtics games. I've seen Brogdon play. He's pretty good for them. But I just feel like quickly has been more impactful for the Knicks, which is why I think he should win the award. Um, that's just kind of my my perspective on it. But I, I just, to your point, Alex, it's just Boston fans trying to be mad about something. You know, because, you know, they have this this great team that's probably going to is a threat to make the finals. And, you know, Tatum isn't probably going to be in the final three for MVP. And, you know, and, and then Brent Brogdon loses six man of the year. Like, where's our award? You know, <laughs> Missoula <laughs> might lose coach of the year to Mike Brown in Sacramento. You know, so it's uh, it's just a lot of like lack of recognition, I think, is how they're going to be feeling. And if that's the case, go ahead and win NBA finals. then. You know, if 
that should be the only thing you care about. Um, so what you should be caring about if you're a Celtics fan is Jalen Brown leaving is what you should be caring about because he does not seem very happy over there. So, um, which has me rubbing my hands because as you guys know, I've that's like the guy I would love to see on the Knicks. So, yeah. Just entertain that idea. Imagine Jalen Brown comes to the Knicks. RJ goes to the, the, the Celtics. Celtics. Oof. I said it here that oh whatever RJ goes I won't uh, I will still follow his career mm. I would have to watch Celtics games I uh, fuck me I guess so <laughs> can we get him without getting well a second round pick something familiar no like that okay <laughs> Obi and RJ the centerpiece of the package for Jalen Brown so <laughs> just it's the, most, it out there. it's the most likely it's, yeah yeah. Yeah, because I, I feel like that's I feel any star. I think those two are probably going to be, or or quickly even because he's more a more valuable asset who who has not been paid yet over Obi for sure. So, uh, but anyway, let's move on from that. Let's we're a Knicks podcast, guys. Well, let's talk about some Mavericks. So, ooh, uh, what Same what thing. a what a tire fire. Um, so the Mavs have been officially eliminated from playing contention they've lost eight of their last 10 games to to close the year uh the the Kyrie experiment has not worked uh so they but they sat against Chicago a, a bunch of players you know they it wasn't just sitting Luca it wasn't just sitting Kyrie it was Josh Green uh was sat down Tim Hardaway Jr. sat down Jaden Hardy, their rookie, was sat down. You think a rookie would play. Uh, look at, like, the Blazers are really shamelessly tanking, but their rookie, Shaden Sharp, is still playing minutes. Um, so this has kind of sparked a investigation by the league to see into these practices because they're still uh, viable as a play-in team, but they decided to just uh, kick the can down the road and just hope for uh, better, hope for the lottery odds so that they can get a top-10 pick. Uh, so that they don't have to give it to the Knicks. So do you think that's so this is what's happening, Base? Do you think that they are avoiding winning games on purpose so that they can uh, avoid giving this first-round pick to the Knicks? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think I, I, I'm not convinced it's an anti-Knicks thing. I, like, I think it's just more... You know, they realize that their, their roster is such a mess. They had absolutely no chance in the playoffs, even if they got there. And they've just decided to 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 go for the go for the pick instead, try and protect their uh, protect their protection. Um and um, you know, I th- I think that's all it is. Um what I would love to see, well, even if, you know, even if nothing comes of this investigation, you know, I'm not gonna stop laughing all summer if you know, somebody jumps over them in the lottery, and they end up back at eleven again. That's 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 almost funnier than you know getting the, the protections taken off them now, which I don't think will ever happen. But yeah, um, yeah that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, but it would have been funnier, actually, funny actually, if uh, um, you know, say they say they gave us the pick without protections, and then we jump into the top four and and take it there. That would be good as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's 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 sad. 
what I didn't understand about the whole deal is why they listed players as resting. You know, yeah. What ha- what happened to all the fake injuries? You know, like there's plenty out there. Um, they could have chosen right hand um, management, man. They could have well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> the um, but resting players. Do you know when you still had a chance to get in the play in? That's just that's just daft. Do you know, league doesn't like to see that, that, man. Yeah, I mean that's. That's why the league is investigating, and they did it on purpose, like a big middle finger to the league, mm-hmm. because uh, they're bringing. They failed eighty-two games to play. They failed to get into the playoffs with one of the one of the best players in the league. They trade for another great player and fail, and they come back to the Jalen Brunson thing, just to stick it to the league. It's a, it's just it's not about only the Knicks. Obviously, that this is a move about. Kyrie walking and Christian Wood probably walking as well and no first round pick. Oh yeah, Lucas gonna Lucas gonna go. And let's try to do something. This first round pick, we can maybe trade or do something with with this to um to keep Luca in. I mean, keeping Luca with a, a tenth round pick is kind of mm, but but yeah, that's resting player just rest rest with a their season is on the line it's just a big big middle finger to the league and that's why the league is inv- even investigating this because if it's injuries mm, okay it's injuries great so but resting in Luca playing one quarter and then I mean it's it's blatant going against the league and the the Knicks have been punished for the, for this with a second round pick, which we all agreed was completely ridiculous. A second round pick for something illegal in the league and tampering, um, and well, they got mad at that uh, again. They guess just if you wanted Jalen Brunson so bad, offer them the money. Oh, they didn't set a set a bar. Offer the money. If you can offer the money. You could offer more money for that what than the Knicks. You could more years. You didn't want to overpay him. Well, that's on you. I mean, don't blame. Okay, it was illegal. Blaming the father, blaming. Yeah, we'll, Rick we'll get Branson. to that. I mean, come on. We'll get to man. it in a second. It's just, it, just, it's just, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous yeah. the whole thing. I was just going to say I, 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 the one thing simply I do have for the Mavs fans is that. They're saying, you know, every, lots of other teams are doing it. And, yeah, not quite so blatant. Um, and some teams are out of, um, you know, playoffs or whatever. But they're still making moves to kind of get higher up the the lottery um, ladder. They're still... The, 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 the um, uh, Portland have been an absolute disgrace the last... Not just this season, but last season as well. But they, they were, they've been playing guys the last two weeks of the season who... Even some, you know, Portland fans are less like, I don't know who that guy is. Do you know, like, yeah. it's just absolutely disgraceful, like, what they've done. And I can't believe they talk about uh, Lillard being the ultimate loyal player. You know, if I was him, I'd just be like, well, what is going on here? You know, I'm not waiting about, Um, you know, he's not that far from retirement. And I'm not sitting about waiting for some rookie to, to kind of come to come up to my level, do you know, and I, it's... As I said, I think they've been an absolute disgrace uh, the last um, couple of seasons, and they should be also getting investigated. And I, I, I can't understand why they're not. Um, well, but... I mean, you know, we know why they're not. 
it's because Luca is a top four or five player in the league and he's healthy. And mm-hmm. you just are just punting on the last couple games of the season when you were still mathematically okay for the play in Portland has been not so fully win. mathematically yeah. eliminated, but mm-hmm. five, six games out of the play in spot for when that started happening. And so, I mean, you go with like the Pistons too. They kind of started resting a bunch of players like a month ago, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, tanking is a problem in the NBA. We know that, you know, like we, we understand that that is happening and it's, it's probably an unavoidable thing because the draft gives you two to three generally elite players every year. And those guys go in the first three picks. So mm-hmm. you, you're incentivized to do that because how important the superstar is in the NBA. But my takeaway so with the Mavs. So just one yeah. second, Nomad, a bit. That, although it's two different scenarios between the Mavs and, the, and Portland, you know, Portland are still positioning themselves for, for better lottery odds. Do you know mm-hmm. that? Which is, you know, you're talking about a, a draft that's got a generational player. I mean, at the start of the season, Adam Silver talked about, you know, basically they they know he's coming, you know, and, you know, the team should, you know, be doing everything in their power to play fairly and, and play play for wins. Do you know what? So he's saying that at the start of the season, knowing fine well that teams at the end of the season, if they start positioning themselves in the lottery to get better odds, you know, that's a huge, you know, potential franchise changing player coming in yep. and if you're talking about a team like the Mavs that are just trying to creep into the play and your teams that creep into the play in and in 10th position or whatever um, ninth position even you know hugely unlikely to do anything in the in the playoffs or the title race at all you know um, and you know I would say you know tanking for a lottery pick especially in this year is probably Maybe not quite as bad as 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 trying not to get into the playoffs, but you know it's it's still a big important thing, you know, and especially one that Silver talked about at the start of the season. So what's he going to do about it? Do you know he's he's got to back up what he said at the start of the so, season. Let's, I guess, my thing too here is like let's not act like the uh, like the Mavs are the Charlotte Hornets all of a sudden, and. Mm. They made the Western Conference Finals last year. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, they lost Brunson. We understand, whatever, you know, but it's just like this is a team with an elite player, you know, and I think that's why it's made, being made of uh, such a big magnitude. Like, like imagine Giannis missing the playoffs when it happened, you know, like, and that that's, I think, organizationally, why you have to look at this team and say they have failed their superstar. That That's what they've done. They lost... Well, Oh, Portland still has Dame. Portland still has Dame. Do you know sure, I mean? sure, yeah. He's, he's healthy. You know, um, they've signed. Right, let's 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 not act like Dame is Luca, though, Alex. I mean, well, you know, one's in his prime and an elite player. The other's still a very good player, but also entering the exit of his prime. I mean, Tanking in general, like I said, I'm not disagreeing. Tanking's bad well, for the league. You know, it's 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 not that one is good and one is bad. They're both bad. I just yeah. think. What, this is just kind of exposing what a fraudulent organization the Mavs have become. Mm-hmm. You know, they they were incapable of um, giving Dirk his second star. Yes, he got a title with one of the best finals runs or playoff runs we've ever seen in the modern era. You know, so it's, it was incredible that he got that title. And, and you know, Mavs fans say, like, yeah, look, at we did it with just one guy. Like, yeah, it was, a, it was basically a miracle. You know, the, the gauntlet you had to go through to get to that title 
Now they have Luca, another generational talent, and they are equipping him with like this terribly built roster. You know, Christian Wood didn't work. Then they try and trade for Kyrie Irving. That didn't work. Like you were talking about this earlier, Rafa. They I said that the big biggest issue that they did was trade Dorian Finney Smith, their best defender, who they happened to prioritize signing just last year over Jalen Brunson, who they're crying about losing, which we'll get into in a second. So this team is just an organizational failure. All right. They just they are in like, yeah, do I think they're trying to be petty? Maybe to the, not just because the Knicks are just trying to give the, the FU to the NBA, like you guys have both said, and they want to use that pick to trade. They're not picking anybody with that draft pick. Luca's about to trying to win now, you know, so they're trying to trade him for as a centerpiece or trade that pick as a centerpiece to get, you know, a decent second player with Luca. Because as of right now, they're building around Luca, Jaden Hardy, and Josh Green. Sorry, that's not going to get it done. And they're failing him right now. But unless that, who are they even trading? The top four, maybe. Yeah, unless you know, they get lucky and they get they struck lottery gold and get Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson or one of these guys coming from college that are at an elite level. Who is even? Who are they even trading? The the, the Mavs? Is that first round pick and who? Because they traded I mean, they probably give up on Hardy or Green, you know, because those are their two only promising young talents right now. They're in yeah. no man's land. Like they're they're in a real yeah. bad spot if they don't get a top three pick. It does say if Kyrie Irving um, leaves, which is which is the thing. I think Kyrie Kyrie leaves, right? Yeah. Irving is going to to LA. Mm. I think it's a a game. So, I mean, they made that trade knowing where Kyrie Irving would end up in with uh, in uh, in. Uh, in, in in Laker land and they still made a trade to try to make the playoffs. It didn't work out. And now they're shooting from everywhere. And like the team is uh, uh did did anyone believe that the Mavs could could have reached the play the, the, the conference finals last year? No. N- no. Nobody believed it. Because oh it's not the great I mean, again. That's... We need to that's more so everybody's underrating of how good Jalen Brunson actually was. I mean, which which we've seen, you know, we've all been pleasantly surprised by him this year because we didn't know he'd be this. We didn't know he had this in him. And it's fair to say that he was a big catalyst for them getting to the conference finals. Um, I guess real yeah. quick, what do you guys think is going to be the result of this investigation? Are they Are they going to penalize them in any way? I don't think I, so. I don't think they'll do anything. Uh, like, at worst, it's a make, fine, right? Like at worst, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. We love, we'd love to see them remove their protections. That'd be nice, but yeah. you know, I, I don't think. I think that's wishful cool. thinking. Uh, yeah, if I don't, it, yeah. it would open. As I said, it would open up a huge can of worms about yeah. all the tanking that's going on, and right. and um, Cuban Cuban would be right on that, like legal action, all sorts. I think mm-hmm. he would just go absolutely crazy if that happened. And um, let's say start start talking about all the other teams that are tanking. So, I mean, it's like you look at the you guys mentioned the Blazers tanking. The Blazers uh, tanking a bit. Um, what your what was the expectations for the Blazers coming in? They made Play-in. trades like. Let's, yeah, it's a playing team, like because because they have Lillard. Without Lillard, they're Wimbanyama, 
sweet yeah. stakes, absolutely. That like no chance. And the moves they made is like if this isn't good enough. Let's try something different. They tried trade Josh Hart for the Knicks. I mean, it's uh obviously it's it's not Josh Hart is not a, a the guy who's gonna lead you to with the second the second guy to to Damian Lillard, obviously, but he's a great player. Um so all the moves that Blazers made throughout the year in the offseason, uh it was you knew that Blazers would squeak in the plans and maybe be out of plans. The Mavs, you had ex- big expectations. And they are arresting guys at the big final minute and the league knowing Luca wants to play and they play him one quarter and then sit him down. It's it's too many moves. Like it was too many moves. Like the, obviously it, the league looks at a, a, a team like um, imagine the, the the Pistons that had their entire season disrailed when uh, Cunningham went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay, they're. It's normal for them not to be as good or lose games, and uh, the hornets with all the things that happen as, as well uh, with them. Like the league has sensibility in this type of situations. Like okay, um, the, the Spurs is, are a bad team for two or three years, and they're the the young guy Primo became an, an asshole all of a sudden, and he needed to get out of the league. So, yeah. league is sensible in these situations, but the Mavs it was. It's just uh, f you or we want to pick. It's it's the only thing we can do. Well, what's so, making it and- worse too? The comments you've seen from Luca of saying I want to play, the comments you've seen from Jason Kidd where he's kind of alluding to this was kind of an executive decision, not my call. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kidd is is let go in the off season now, uh, just for that kind of insubordination. Almost, almost guaranteed, I think. And then you have like the background stuff going on about like. You know, the guy uh, that's like was calling all the shots for a while on uh, this team. I can't remember his name. It's like the, this this organization, like I said to you guys before we start recording, everything that people accuse Dolan of doing is basically what's happening with the Mavs. You know, like it's it's really bad, you know, like terribly bad, which brings me to this next thing, which, again, concerns the Mavs, which is, you know. I don't know why we're relitigating the Jalen Brunson signing, but, you know, Mark Cuban was basically, you know, it gave an interview and he was like, well, you know, when parents get involved in, you know, and things of that nature, acting like Jalen Brunson is not a 26 year old man who can make his own decisions. Uh, but I guess, do you guys buy anything of what he's been saying about the fact that they had no chance to resign him and what was the Mavs and that, you know, it was basically a done deal once the Knicks hired uh, Rick Brunson. Yeah, it's absolutely nonsense. And um, the whole thing about they didn't have a chance to resign. I, I talked to you guys a lot recently about, you know, if you know if teams in that position want to resign players, they can resign players. It's it's not a problem. You know, it's uh, the team have so much control, mm. and if you let a player go, it's because you don't want to keep them. Generally, uh, yeah, there was extra circumstances with the next thing, but. He dropped the ball, you know, and, and or dropped the bag even, and um, yeah, he kept Philly Smith um, instead of him. You know, they made that decision, and yeah, it's backfired on them completely. So you know, they could have kept both. Yeah, it's the thing they could have kept both, and it probably should have kept both. Like, I don't buy it. 
Oh, they didn't give me a number. How lame of an excuse is that? You have yeah. numbers. You know numbers. You know what players are worth. How many years are you in this league? Like being a, a, a general manager, whatever. You know what players are worth. Give him numbers. Obviously, it's obvious. We've discussed this. Players talk amongst each other. Uh, and people talk. It, it, it's obvious. And... uh the Knicks just got that that second round pick uh, thrown uh, away from them um, because it was too blatant. Like uh, fathers there, the, the the Godfathers there. So yeah, maybe it was a little bit of foul play. But we just mentioned we all know or or suspect where Kyrie Irving will play mm-hmm. next year. So if we know that, there's it's obvious. It happens more, like the Mavs. I don't know if you remember a few years ago when the Mavs signed or signed uh, Yandri Jordan. I knew this was coming. And then the, <laughs> the entire the entire Clippers team came over to the to his house and said, "No, stay in in LA, stay in LA." And he stayed in LA. Is that not tampering? Did he complain at the time? No, and it's. Again, it's it's the Knicks. Knicks bias. There you go. It's uh, I think, it's, yeah. I think the general rule is that the players can't tamper, isn't it? I think it's it's got to be from somebody in the, you know, um, well, it's the, the whole it's the LeBron thing. James thing, right? From yeah. from the Miami days, you know. Yep. Um. Yeah. Look, man. He like Cuban saying this, acting like he didn't have a chance to sign Brunson for four years, fifty-five million is just comical to me. He had that opportunity. Then he prioritized, then he kicked the ball down the road. Then he prioritized signing Dorian Finney-Smith. Okay, like, he, Brunson himself has gone on podcasts and said, yeah, they could, I was ready to stay in Dallas. I was ready to accept the offer. For $55 million over four years, that's generational wealth. Brunson's humble enough. You know, he, and then, like, when he's like, hey, they, they kind of let it kick the can down the road. You elevated your value. Well, let's see who else is going to do it, and the Knicks are going to offer him, you know, a hundred million dollars, and he took it. And the Mavs are like, "Oh, well, we can't afford that." Like, you had the chance, man. We are in the middle of watching an all-time bag fumble by this organization. And you know, for years, I thought to myself, I was like, "Man, I don't get why Dallas doesn't get free agents." You know, they're in a a big market. You know, it's like he's fifth largest in the U.S. They're geographically perfectly located because they're in the middle of the country. So travel isn't bad. There's no state income tax and everybody seems to like their owner. Okay. So I'm just like, what, what's there not to like? Why can they never get free agents? I think we're starting to see why they can never get free agents because this front office does not know what the fuck they're doing. They have no clue. And that brings me to the next thing, which is the rumor that Luca might ask out next summer. So, Dreaming of Luca aside in a Knicks uniform, I mean, do you think that there's a possibility that he's going to request out? And if so, are they even going to, would they even consider uh, trading again a top five player in this league? I think, I think he definitely will. Because um, I, can, I, can, um, I can't see that situation improving anytime soon. Do you know, I, I think that the mess that they're in is going to take a good few years to, to resolve and mm-hmm. Um, Luca doesn't seem like the sort of, you know that's going to be sitting waiting about for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think he definitely will. But if you if you thought that the 
the Donovan Mitchell price tag was was high, then you know Luca is going to be insane. Um, so just let, let's all be careful until we, <laughs> and especially as you said earlier, you know, very unlikely the Mavs are going to you know um, do a deal with the Knicks anytime soon. So um, I think we should. Uh, yeah, you you you'll probably leave in the near future, but very unlikely it'll be to the Knicks. So. I mean, it's a it's a possibility because people, I mean, we've seen it with with the Mavs. Uh, um, Luca wants to win. Luca wants to fight for the title and uh, be up there. And we've seen because, in some ways, he has pressured the Mavs into making moves with the, the KP KP move in and out, and so moves are being made because. Luca wants to be a contender every year, and he, he wants to be have a good team around around him. And right now, it feels like the Mavs won't be able to give him that team at least for the next year or two, unless they somehow trade everyone away and get free agents in to play with Luca, which is a, a bit unlikely. But to trade for Luca, I mean, it's. The amount of picks and players and everything involved will be way too, too way too big. I mean, mm-hmm. forget six round first round picks. I mean, get the the first pick of two thousand forty three ready. I mean, come on, let, let's get it. It's like four what's years the maximum picks. amount of picks you could send? That's the amount. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Add some to the to that as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's. I don't even know how, how can you trade for him like without gutting your team without being able to succeed uh, unless Luca just goes on a I don't see him doing that he wants to to be out there playing um if it, if it was a tantrum and says fuck this I'm not playing Tra- trade me or I'm not playing and that makes it a, a different situation but I don't think you will do that but he signed the contract like it was last year, right? Or is, yeah. was it this year just Supermax to kick in? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he has a player option for the 2026-2027 season. He knew where he was going, where he signed. So I don't think if this is to happen about the trade or anything, I don't think it's going to happen now. Maybe 2024 or five, right? we'll see that happen. But it's, uh, well... It's not a. You have one of the best players in the league, and your situation is 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 bad. Mm-hmm. Well, it is very Knicks like. Mm-hmm. It is very Knicks like to do something like that. But you can't blame the Knicks for this. You dug yourself the biggest hole you could have dug with the players and the with the, the guys you signed, the guys you traded for, and the guys you traded away. I mean, Finney Smith was. A, you guys said it. We were talking about it. You pick. The guy you picked over Brunson, you traded away like six months after. So you lost the two guys. Yeah. Plus it's as well. Funny. I mean, exactly. And it, it, it's funny in a way how both teams that traded the players amongst themselves, the Hawks mm. and the, the Mavs, they have the two players that traded amongst themselves. They can't run a team to save these two guys because uh, it's, 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 it's funny. It's comical. Uh, and I love even more, more and more that Mark Cuban is miserable. Um, <laughs> so 
yeah, in blaming the Knicks, it's just yeah, a shit team. It's the Knicks, of course. Yeah. They blame the Knicks. Look, man, if I'm Luca, I'm requesting a fucking trade because this organization has shown me that they don't know how to build around me. The problem is, like you mentioned, Rafa, is you, you're going to demand a king's ransom, and honestly, outside of yeah, the Knicks, should. because the Knicks have a fair amount of draft capital from both their own picks and future assets. Um, or their own picks and traded picks that they've gotten from other teams. The only other team that I could think of that has a war chest capable of making a Luka trade is Oklahoma City. And because they have a bunch of cheap young talent uh, that they could move. They have a bunch of draft capital because, you know, we know that Sam Presti, you know, you know, lives for those protected first round picks that he uh, happens to acquire in every single deal that he makes. Um, so if if the trade happens, I wouldn't be surprised to see Oklahoma City say, okay, this is the move we were looking to make. Um, but if you're Luca, like you gotta look around, like, all right, what's what's the path forward? And it's almost like it's funny, Alex, you mentioned Portland earlier. It's kind of like Portland's in this weird spot where they probably should be doing a full rebuild, right? Yeah, but you have Dame and Dame wants to win because you know he's getting up there in age and he doesn't want to play for a rebuilding organization. So you're kind of stuck. I almost wonder, are the Mavs getting to the point where uh, they really, you know, need to take a couple years to reaccumulate the war chest? And, you know, Luca's there. Luca doesn't want to be a part of that. He wants, he sees guys like Jokic and guys like Giannis winning games and Bede winning games, contending for titles. He wants to do that. You know, he's, he, he wants to win. And I just kind of wonder if there's going to reach a point where he's going to be like, you know what? You guys need to get your fucking act together or I'm out of here. And I think that day is coming because even when they try to make moves to appease him, it feels a lot like LeBron, the first go around in Cleveland, like every single move they'd make, it doesn't really work, you know, and you could argue some of that is Lucas play style where he's so ball dominant that it's so hard to find the right fit. But, you know, that's why these front office guys make money. You know, they're, they got to figure that out. You know, Houston figured it out with Harden and they got him to the conference finals one win away from an NBA finals appearance. People forget about that, you know, and, you know, the the Mavs, yeah, they made the Western Conference finals last year, but they if they want to prevent him requesting a trade, they're going to need to be able to either retain Kyrie or, you know, figure out some maneuvering to be able to sign some free agent in the summer because otherwise, you know, Luke is going to kind of be looking around the room like, yeah, this team isn't going anywhere. Let's uh, get me the fuck out of here, wherever the hell that may be, whether it's Oklahoma city, whether it's Miami, whether it's, you know, whatever, whether it's the Knicks, whatever team it may be. So that's something to monitor for sure. But there was just no way that the, the Mavs would trade Luca to the Knicks. Like, even if it was the best offer, like after all this, trading him to the Knicks, I mean, it's, it's the biggest, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I can, I know a lot of Knicks fans have been fantasizing about uh, Luca to the Knicks. Uh, and I just, outside of free agency, I don't really see it as a possibility because the one Cuban already doesn't like us. So the asking price immediately is plus 25% over any other offer, you know? Uh, and, and I just think that, you know, you'd have to give up every single draft pick. You'd have to give up three or four players and I don't know. Um, but that's unimportant. 
in the grand scheme of things because we have playoff games to look forward to. So very excited about that. Uh, I think game one is either Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure if the schedule came out yet. Um, no, I think so. Yeah, so yeah. this weekend we'll, we will have playoff basketball to discuss. So definitely looking forward to that. But make sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast to get all the updates from uh, the Knicks in the playoffs. Make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications on YouTube. We're also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So on behalf of Alex and Rafa, Omar Worldwide Knicks checking out. Go Knicks. Let's uh let's win some games in Cleveland. Thank you.